Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it's the first day of February 2024. So happy February, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday. Remember those? Now it's just President's Day. Hey, welcome to today's show. Okay, we'll be celebrating all that and having great shows all through February here at uh, education talk radio which is the voice of the american consortium for equity in education that's over at ace-ed.org and uh, everything we do is over there our magazine which is an online journal called equity and access you're welcome to go over there and read it uh, all our podcasts are over there as well as a ton of uh, incredible information about what's going on in the wacky and wild world of equity in pre-k 12 <clears throat> And today on our show, this is a show that I called NAESP, the National Association of Elementary School Principals, to create. And we're going to be talking about principal leadership for the very early grades. And on that note, we were supposed to have two guests. I've only got one called in, but I just wanted we were supposed to have Kim Taylor who is from Dedham, Massachusetts. She hasn't called in, hope nothing came up, and she's okay. But today we do have Julie Bluss, and Julie is from Grove, Oklahoma, where she, was, where she works. She, she is advising to part of the NAESP Center for Early Learning Leadership. She's a fellow there, okay? And she's also a retired early learning principal, again, from Grove, Oklahoma. So let me say good morning to Julie. Hi, Julie. Good morning. It is so great to see to visit with you this morning and happy Thank February. <laughs> I'm so thrilled that it's February. January is just always the longest, darkest month and it is gorgeous here on Grand Lake this morning. It's almost Good, 50 degrees and the sun is shining. Well, we we've got uh let's see, I live in Maine. All right, so we're completely snow-covered. It's about 25 degrees, and it is getting to be a sunny day. And that, to us, is a good thing. It's nice to have a little bit of sun up here. Okay, and I'm so glad the weather's good down there. Where, where, where in Oklahoma are you? I am almost an hour and a half from Tulsa. If you're familiar with the pioneer woman, Reed Drummond, she lives in the middle of nowhere, and I say I'm about an hour and 45 minutes uh, further from nowhere than she is. So (laughs) I'm in a rural community that's located on a large lake. We're a tourism-based community where people come to vacation and enjoy life on the lake. And Is that Grove, Grove, Oklahoma? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Cool. I have that note here. I have that note here. That's that's cool. So so to get there, we leave Tulsa, go to nowhere, and make a right, and we'll get there. We'll that's get the exactly. <laughs> but once you get here, you won't want to leave. We have a beautiful shoreline of lake and lots of different things you can do here: fishing, skiing, um, boating, just a lot of uh, beautiful scenery and. The Bassmaster Tournament is held here frequently, so oh, it's a great really? place to visit. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that's that's huge. The Bassmaster Tournament, is which is not yes. which is not guitar, by the way, everybody. It's fish. Okay, it's not bass. That's exactly it's bass. right. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I, I had a friend of mine who ordered the magazine Bassmaster, but he played bass guitar. He thought it was a guitar magazine. <laughs> I literally yes. have. Okay, I kid you not. So I'll make I'll make the distinction. For everybody, it's great to have you here. Uh, I think you are retired. How long did you teach? 
or principal, I was whatever. in education for 34 years. 20 of wow. one of those were as a, an early childhood elementary school principal. I retired in May and became oh, a fellow wow. of early learning with NAESP. And now I currently work for a university advising interns that are in the field of education. Oh, that's wonderful. What university are you working at? I'm with Northeastern State University out of Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Excellent. I bet they turn out great people. And we have to change that term. In this day and age, we have to change the word. And I've been saying this for a while, fellow, because it refers, it's a masculine term. And a lot of the women I talk to are fellows of such and such. What do you think of that? I hadn't even given it a thought. There you it go. I mean, it's congratulations. To, to, be a, to be a fellow is really yeah. cool. But it, it's a real honor to do the work. Is. And um, I've been a, under advisement with NAESP. They supported me as an assistant principal and principal for such a long time to be yeah, able to work with the Center of Early Learning. It, it's just a real honor. And I'm so glad they honored you, Mademoiselle Fellow, if I may. Okay, Madam Fellow, if I may. And where where was this the school you taught at? And this has struck me as interesting. You were an early learning principal. Was this was the school a public? I'm sure it was a public early learning school. What grades? What was that set up like? Yes. So I began as an assistant principal in a school that was pre-K through third. And then my school was built, it's public school in Grove, um, and it was specifically for pre-K and kindergarten. We passed a bond issue, and all of the pre-K and kindergarten children in my community came to that school, which is not always the case. You see neighborhood schools, all kinds of different makeups of schools, but in my small community, all of the pre-K and kindergartners came to my school. That's that's really neat. And how old were the youngest kids, if I may ask? The youngest children that came to my school were three. Wow. And most of them, wow. when they exited, they were wow. six or possibly turning seven. Oh, they must have been so comfortable there. That's such a nice experience for them. Okay. And what I have to ask, was it, was it difficult to find, uh, to staff the school, to find the right teachers, et cetera? Um, At times, you know, in the past handful of years, there has been a national shortage of teachers, but luckily I was very fortunate to find great quality teachers and also support personnel. It takes everybody in an early learning facility, especially because um, in Oklahoma, there is um, there there are laws that when you have four year olds. When you have 24-year-olds in a classroom, you have to have two adults. You have to have a certified teacher and and an assistant. So I was really fortunate to find quality, quality people. Well, Oklahoma has impressed me, and Grove has certainly impressed me with their forward thinking about pre-K. I mean, that, that's and to take kids as young as three-year-olds, it's so helpful to the kids. It's so helpful to the community. It's so helpful to the parents. I mean, I think that's just wonderful. I congratulate you on being there and being the, I assume, the founding principal of this. What was the name of it? I I was. It's a Grove Early Childhood Center, and luckily in Oklahoma, we are fortunate that pre-K is universal, meaning that pre-K is free to families, 
in Oklahoma schools, if public schools want to have that program, it is actually funded through the State Department of Education. That's not the case in all states. So, it is not the case but in, in all states. You're right, absolutely but right. in, in Oklahoma it is, and it has been that way for quite a long time. Okay, and that's I, 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 again, I'll say it again. I congratulate Oklahoma for being forward thinking about that and making sure. And I'm going to ask you, these are softball questions I want to ask you, but I want to hear it from you, okay? I, I always say how important pre-K is, and I don't think there's any educator in the world who would argue with that. And my standing anecdote, my uh, metaphor is that, you know, you lay a good foundation, you have a better house, okay? It's that simple, all right? So, as you look on, on this and what you've learned from all this and what you hear is, as again, an a, a fellow, if I may, from the NAESP's Center for Early Learning Leadership, all right? Uh, how, how important is it these days? And I think these days it's more important than ever, okay? What, what are your thoughts on that? Why is it so important to focus on young learners? And you must have talked to the your your colleagues in the element the regular elementary school okay you talk to people in the junior high school the middle school okay they see the results of this talk about what you've experienced with that why it's so important why they were so dependent on you right absolutely and you're exactly right it is the foundation and so you know over the years standards and expectations have definitely uh the rigor has has grown and so we always look at that and we talk about what used to be first grade is now kindergarten. What used to be kindergarten yeah. is now pre-K right. and there's so much of an expectation. Right. And so it's a trickle down effect. Well, I always met with my kindergarten teachers, kindergarten teachers talk to first graders and you want to know, well, what do you need to know by the end of the year? What do you need to know going into the next grade? And so it's really important that pre-K is the foundation of, of a public school, of a private school, yeah. of a charter school. What do those students need? Well, they they need to love school. They need to love learning. What a great sentence. What a great sentence. That is, go ahead. Keep going. That's a wonderful way to put it. Keep going. And so that I really thought was the key when we built our school was uh, on the front of the building, when you drive by, it's still there. We embedded it into the, the rock of the wall. It says, happy memories begin here. Well, if well. your children love school, if they want to be in school, then academics will come. But really, the, the point of pre-K is help everyone begin school, be comfortable in school, learn the sense of school, and then the academics will come and it certainly is it's an academic place you want it you want students to learn academics but you want them to learn all of those social skills you want them to learn school how to do school because you know <laughs> children come from various backgrounds some have been to daycare some have been to church some have been around other children my child didn't do any of that my child went uh, we had a, a friend who watched him until he was old enough to go to school. And then when he came to school, the learning was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of learning to do. But, so, you know, they come with various skills. Some children come with unidentified needs. Some come with uh, language um, that needs to be worked on. There are all kinds of skills that need to be learned. So, you bring them all, you, you uh, put them in classrooms, and one, two, three, go. 
It's go time. I'm going to tell you something. By the way, Kim just joined us. I'm going to bring her on in one second. Okay. But I got to tell you something. What you just said is so important. All right. If you learn to school, if you can engage the kids, if they learn to have happy memories, the academics will follow. It's that much easier. And you just put that in such a beautifully way that the, that one of the great purposes and I, and, and all the, all, all of the, uh, the shows I've done about pre-K, nobody's ever put it that way, that that's where kids learn to love school. That's where they learn to begin to start to learn to love learning. And that was very nicely and sweetly put. I got to tell you that, Julie. Okay. That was just, that you just nailed it. Okay. You just nailed it. Thank okay. You. And let me Thank you. you really, you really did. Okay. Kim, are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Larry Jacobs, and I don't know if you know Julie, but go say hello to your pal, Julie, if you want to, okay? okay. Good morning, Julie. <laughs> Good morning, Kim. I'm so glad you're here. There you Thank go. you. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, too, Miss Dana, Massachusetts. I'm up here in Maine and New England as well, so it's great to talk to you. And Kim also is a fellow. I don't know how women become fellows, but they do. We're going to talk about that. I keep harping on that. Okay. She's a fellow. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we got to change that term for for and again for NAS NAESP's Center for Early Learning Leadership. These are principles, okay, and they deal with early learners. And there's things principals have to know about this. Uh, Kim is the uh, you you're right now. You're the principal of Current Early Childhood Center in Dedham, right? That is correct. Just south of Boston, by the way, everybody. And it looks like Dead Ham, but it's Dedham, just. For you non-New Englanders, all right? And uh, just tell us about Curran before we go from the start right there. Just tell, be, brag a little about your school, Kim. Sure, great. Thank you for having me this morning. The Curran Early Childhood Center is a standalone um, building in the public school system of Dedham, Massachusetts. We have approximately 350 students here, um, preschoolers and kindergartners. So we are wow. learning with three, four, and five-year-olds every day, and approximately 75 staff members who are wow. just gifts um, to the early childhood field. They are an amazing group of educators who work with students who have um, you know, are typically developing, but we also have our preschool program, which is an integrated program. So we do service students with special needs, um, all oh, types nice. of special needs. Nice. Yeah. And um, we have 12 kindergarten classes and seven preschool classes here. Wow. So about 250 kindergartners and about 100 or so, give or take, preschoolers. I think that is, is terrific. And I'll ask you, the, I want to ask just the same question. Kim, uh, this day and age, how about, are you having any trouble or problem staffing? Okay, it's, yes. it's special with special yes. ed, it's very difficult these days. So just, I want to talk about that because we need people to understand the value and importance of learning how to work in, in pre-K. But just talk mm -hmm. about what, what you're going through with that. Sure. You, you, can put out a one, you can do a one-ed if you want, you might guess. <laughs> Um, I would say that our classroom teachers and our, like, therapists and those types of positions are full. Like, and we, people who are yeah. working in those um, positions are very specialized. Our preschool teachers have to be duly certified, which means they have to have an early childhood um, license and a special education license. Um, so they are very specialized, and our 
therapists, our speech and language pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, those staff members are also specially licensed. So we are lucky to have those positions um, filled. And so the, the, you know, the, the challenge becomes when we are trying to find support staff. paraprofessionals as we call them here some school districts call them support you know educational support personnel it's all different but those are the roles and quite frankly are one of the most important roles in our building because they support this classroom teachers in order to be able to support the students and those positions are consistently open um, and I, 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 I want to say this: those positions are important. They need higher pay to draw the right people in there. I got to say that right you, off the bat. That's everywhere, yep. not just you are absolutely correct. That's everywhere. Right. Exactly, exactly. So you know, last year in the district, for example, we had all year long ten positions that were never went filled. Wow. So ten positions. It's a burden on everybody else. It's a yep, burden on everybody exactly. else. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. It, it, it's just brutal out there. And actually, I want to ask you both, you know, and, and well, let me tell I want to follow up before I do that on what Julie said. And you heard me at the, when I brought you on, Kim. Julie said that, and I, and I love this, that pre-K is where kids start to learn to love school. And mm-hmm. if, we can, if we can do that there, we're, we're kind of on our way for a better experience later for the kids and the teachers. What's your thoughts on that incredible comment? It should be the, the name of your next book, Julie, or the name of your book. Okay, it's great. <laughs> um, we're the foundation. Um, yeah. You know, a, a prior superintendent here considered the early childhood years as the gateway to opportunity for students in school. And I really feel like that is absolutely, you know, what we should always be keeping in mind. Like we need, as Julie said, for kids to love to learn and we need to teach them how to learn. Um, It's, you know, learning to learn here (laughs) and learning to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, go ahead. It's fascinating the way you two. So let me ask you this. You were both trained, and I'm I'm not sure of this. I'm going to just say it, and you can argue. Julia, I'll go back to you. Were you trained as an elementary school principal or an early learning principal? Julia? Uh, my master's is in early childhood, so yes. And I was how about trained at the beginning? specifically how about, how about in early childhood. And at the beginning when um, you first got your undergrad? My undergrad is in elementary ed. Yeah, so, Okay. But when you mm-hmm. go into leadership, was an early learning. What about you, Kim? My undergrad is in early learning. Wow. My master's you guys are great. degree, yet yeah, my master's degree is in um, curriculum instruction, pre-K to eight, um, and my certification, which required leadership training, I have an additional yeah. certification. It was like not a degree program, but it was a training program, and it was a pre-K to my license in Massachusetts for administration is pre-K to six. So my question is, you guys work with NAESP, and NAESP, mm-hmm. my good friends of ours, okay, National Association of Elementary School Principals. Really, you're responsible in many cases. NAESP covers the gamut from age three for a kid. This is amazing. To eighth grade. It can go mm-hmm. through eighth grade. You have a lot of principals, you know, middle schools who are also involved in NAESP. 
All right. And a lot of times we put a principal, the principal's uh, job could be K-8 in this area or pre-K-8. All right. And my question to you is, what do you need to know when you're at the Center for Early Learning Leadership at NAESB? What are the tricks of the trade to becoming a good pre-K leader? And I would think one of them, and I'm just going for this, is that a lot of, a, a lot of people still look at pre-K as, as the stepchild of K-12, okay? <laughs> and, you know, and it's not a it's, – it's, it's, it's so equally important. It, it's beyond belief. It's probably more important, okay? So talk to me. What is a what is a – and I'll, I'll start with Kim, go back to Julie. But, Kim, what is a pre-K – principal need to know what's the sweet spot the tricks of the trade i think the first thing that comes to my mind is around developmentally appropriate practice um what is the right thing to do for students that are three four and five years old you know they're not little eighth graders (laughs) um they're not little sixth graders they're 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 ring you know granted some of the behaviors might be similar but um You know, I think one of the struggles that we always have, and I think Julie would agree, and we've talked about this before, is that over time, practice in schools has become, we're constantly up against this developmentally appropriate practice. Like, are we actually asking kids to do things that their brains are not ready to do? Um, And constantly advocating for curriculum, activities, events, things that meet the needs of where children are in their development, as opposed to the state says we have these standards. Um, And, you know, keeping that at the forefront would be my first thing that any early learning leader needs to always in mind and be advocating for along the way. It, it, to me, it, to me, it's so amazing. And you know, the the challenge, of course, and this is always with public education. I'm going to go to Julie in a second. Is that public education is run by school boards? School boards are mostly lay people. They are well-meaning people. Don't misunderstand, but they are lay people. They are not educators for a lot of people. Okay, and we got to make everybody understand that uh, again. Pre-K needs to be even more so part of the the full program. Julie, what's your thoughts? What's the what's the sweet spot? What what does a early learning principal need to know that they might not be taught well, in school or whatever the case may be? What'd you learn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Julie. Picking, piggybacking off of Kim, I I remember this great book that I read, and it seems like such a simple idea, but if you <laughs> Think about it in this term. It just kind of it it makes it clear. But the book is "Kids Deserve It," and it hones in on this: do what's best for kids, do what's best for students. So if all of your decisions are based upon what's best for your students, not what's best for parents, what's best for the adults, what's best for the teaching staff, but if you do what's best for your students, then you're going to be fine. You're going nice. to do what's best. And it's a, it is and, it's a simple concept, yeah. Keep going, right, please, it's a simple concept, but if you, if you have disagreements with your school board if, or if you're not in alignment with um, policymakers and you need to have those difficult conversations or those challenging conversations, you bring it back to that. I understand blah, 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 but is that what's best for our students? 
students. Exactly. And then you talk about, like what Kim said is, you know, developmentally, they're not quite ready for that. Developmentally, that will be really difficult for them. They won't be successful because they're not ready for that. We'll be ready, but we're not ready right now, and that will be a challenge. That will be um, upsetting. That will be chaos, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, I, you know, when I read that book, that yeah. was a game changer for me as an elementary school principal. And I read that at an NAESP conference. So my there second part would be make sure that as a leader of a school, as a teacher in a school, you belong to an association and you are surrounded by colleagues Thank you. so that Thank you. your professional learning continues and that you have the support that you need and that you continue to do good work. Because when and you, you know, leave I, I, the college and you have that degree, that doesn't mean it ends. Right. And teaching principalships are lonely professions. I hate to say that, but it is true. And and, and, and what you just said about belonging to a professional association is so important. That's where you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you think of something. Okay. Somebody's already doing it or they want to hear what you have to say because they got the same challenge. All right. And that's why these associations for networking, for understanding, for creating something like a center for early learning leadership like NAESP has done is really, really important. Okay. It's just so important. It's incredible. I have to ask both of you this. And Julie just retired in May, right? You, you, this is your first year re- retired, right, Julie? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you, yeah. So uh, they're going to miss you, Julie, by the way, but that's besides the point. Okay. Um, the pandemic. Okay, across the board, in fact, there was an article today I read in the newspaper, you know, how things are going post-pandemic. And we've been post-pandemic for over, uh, let's say, two years now, okay, which is, good, which is good news. I would imagine that the early learners, it, it has less effect on them, obviously, because they weren't somewhere else prior. This is something new. But talk to me about how we're doing right now, okay? and post-pandemic years in early learning. And just, we'll do that by your own experiences. So I'll, uh, Julie, last year, I'll start with you on this one. Julie, where, how, was, how were things last year, early learning? You know, you would think that the pandemic wouldn't impact early learners, but it was my experience that, that they were impacted because those children were in their homes and they didn't, experience a lot of social activity outside of their homes. They didn't um, maybe leave the home for different engaging activities. They weren't going to daycares or church or away from their families. Um, Their communication, in my experience, was coming to school was delayed. We had a lot more students with speech delays, low vocabulary. So that was something that I noticed their interaction with other people was impacted by, by um, COVID. And also that also impacted their social, emotional learning skills. They didn't play with others. They didn't learn to share, Hmm. take turns. Um, So we had to spend a lot more time working on those skills, following rules, social norms, those were two things that I would say were were greatly impaired. Wow, and, and, and you know, it, 
I, I think I'm, I'm old, okay? And those things that you're talking about, because we had a million kids on my street in Philadelphia, okay? We continue to do that. And you think that that's just it. But when, you, when those things are removed and you can't play with a lot of people and get all those social skills together, okay, it affects everything, okay? And it affects education, okay? And it's, it's you know, to get your staff to be able to do this. What did you find, Kim? Same thing? Wow. Yeah, I mean, the things that Julie talked about are things that we are, are like, concerned about. Like, we're always, with our littlest learners, like, have social-emotional learning at the forefront yeah. of what we do. We have to. Like you were saying when I hopped on that, you know, you can't do other – the kids can't learn if they don't feel safe and happy at school. That's right. And that has to be the first priority. And what has happened from, you know, students who – were home, you know, during COVID is that those social emotional skills were, you know, addressed only in their homes. Like they didn't have an opportunity to, you know, go out and like even go to the grocery store and like become familiar with like part of life, you know. And so we're we're finding that that actually caused a lot of trauma for kids um, in their development and we have to kind of, look at learning in regards to, you know, trauma is a strong word, but if you think about what we all went through during that time and really, you know, younger kids who did not have the opportunity to come to school and play and, you know, like Julie said, take turns and like be, learn how to be, you know, human beings, (laughs) which is what we so much concentrate on. (laughs) Well, exactly. Um, you You know, we knew as adults, we know that the pandemic is going to pass and there's a different world out there. Okay. Yeah. Cause we've lived through it experience and we know it's these things pass and we get back to normal, which to use the phrase we have done. Okay. But yep. a kid when they're raised during the pandemic, whatever, however kid is raised, that's their world. Mm-hmm. That's what they think the world is. All right. And all of a sudden, uh, okay, the pandemic leaves us, I hope forever. Okay. Like, like it did. Okay. And now these kids are thrust into a world they don't even know exists or they've forgotten about it because they're little, you know, a year of a four-year-old is a quarter of their lives. I hate to tell you, it's not a quarter (laughs) of my life. Okay. And yet, you know, it's very important, you know, and as leaders, you guys are leaders in this. Okay, you have to walk your teachers through. And on that note, I want to ask, and I'll I'll stick with Kim on this. Kim, and you're both talking about basically social-emotional skills. Okay, in elementary, not elementary, excuse me, in pre-K, okay, is it 50-50 SEL academic, or would you say the SEL side is more important? Oh, way more, way more important, because you can't get to the other stuff without that. Real interesting. Julie? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the social emotional learning trumps everything. Wow. I, I wish we could get all the communities, all the communities of America to understand that. That's what every educator says. Okay. And it's, you know, so there's political stuff and all this crap going on about, uh, you know, social emotional learning went through that last year. Okay. When in reality, all it's doing is helping the kids. Okay. And it's, it's just so important. And, so I have to ask, okay, as you work with other principals going into or who are in early learning, uh, okay, do they are, are you finding that that's the standard right across the board, Julie? 
your fellow of the Early Learning Leadership Center? I think so. I think most principals understand that. And, you know, social-emotional learning has been called different things throughout the different periods of time. Mr. Rogers did it. Bethany Street did it. It, You know, it's been called different things, but the concept is still the same. It is. Um, And I I think that principals understand the value of it and and know how important it is. It's interesting because I think that also, you know, Julie and I come from environments that are specifically focused, our buildings are specifically focused on early childhood, so it's even more at the forefront. When you go to elementary schools like we both have elementary colleagues obviously in our districts and they they absolutely now are seeing it even more so because the kids now we're starting to get kids at our level that weren't even alive (laughs) during the pandemic you know so hard to believe but but yeah we're all getting older yeah. yeah and the elementary people are are now having the kids that we had like that were part of you know, and they're like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it's just, it's just wild out there. I got to tell you. And uh, do you think that the, uh, and I'm just curious about this as you talk to, as you hire teachers, I'm just going to ask both of you as we wind down here. Uh, do you find that the, the, your early learning teachers are, are coming out of school with the skills they need to do a good job? What, what do you think? I'll, I'll go back to Julie on this one. Julie, I, I know you're retired, but as you were hiring for this year, et cetera, what, what did you find? Are, are we doing a good job training new teachers in, the, in pre-K? Yes. I think they, that um, that colleges are doing a good job because I good. think that they now more than ever see um, the need and what teachers need to be prepared for as they leave colleges. And as I told you um coming on that I'm now working with interns from a local university. And at that particular university, there's an influx actually this semester of interns coming out of the the education department, which is a great, a great sign of hope that we have more, more coming out looking for job opportunities. So I'd say yes, that they are doing a good job being prepared in the past couple of years in particular, the interns that were in my building were excellent. They were excellent. Oh, and that's so, so wonderful to hear. And, and i got to ask is, you what, what Kim brought up before. Uh, are you uh, Down in Oklahoma, in Grove, as an example, are you, are you having trouble finding paraprofessionals as well? Or is it easier down there? I meant to ask no, before. No, I, I think it is challenging. Um, but, you know, in – in a lot of communities such as mine, it's been difficult finding um, people to work in general. Yeah, you know, oh, at, yeah. yeah. At local establishments Small. such as yep. um, fast food places, um, sure. Walmart. You know, there are openings for positions everywhere for all types of work work fields. So that's something coming out of the pandemic. I think that I'm not sure what type of phenomenon that is, but um, we had openings. To, that were difficult to, to fill at the public school. Yeah. Well, we got to figure out a way to do this. I wanted to ask you, Kim, before we wind down here, uh, how about are you, uh, when you hire new teachers right now, are the pre-K 
are other kids who graduate pre-K and come into you, are they, are they well prepared? How we do it? Yes. I mean, I, they are, but would I make a suggestion to the, you know, the prep programs that sure. teachers uh, – in Massachusetts, typically the practicum time in schools is one semester. So practicum – like final year practicum students are only getting a half of a year of a school year to yep, prepare wow. for, you know, I mean, they're in and out doing observations and things, but I have yeah. always felt that my, um, you know, teachers who are coming to do their student teaching and things would, would benefit much more from having a full year in an environment that shows them growth of students, exactly. you know, from when they come in and what that development looks like in a preschool or a kindergarten classroom for a full year as opposed to a lot of them come in the spring. So they don't know what the kids look like in the fall. (laughs) So I really, that's one recommendation that when I retire and I'm working with, you know, university students, one of my recommendations will be, like these kids need to be in classrooms for full they two do. years. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we got it. It puts boots on, puts their boots on the ground, and yep. it, it lets them see what it's really going to be happening. Ladies, thank you so much. You are two really expert uh, educators, principals, leaders, and uh, thank you for working with NAESP, taking on an extra responsibility. You really are to be a fellow of their early learning leadership. Thank you, Julie, and thank you, Kim. Both of you are wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, my pleasure indeed. The audience is pleasure. You brought a lot to the party today. Thank you both. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. NAESP, I got it linked here. The Center for Early Learning Leadership. And, you know, uh, we talk about that. That's for aspiring principals or principals, et cetera. But it's also for superintendents. You got to know what you need for a person to be an early learning leader. And it just—it's all—it's all important stuff, and it matters all the way through K twelve, as I've said ten million times. We'll archive over at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre K twelve Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening.